I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theatre writer and dramaturg. I'm Jen Apoff-Gray, Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theater in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 44 of Theater Forward. Yes, great to be here. So for this episode, we are thrilled to welcome Jared Clarkin, the production manager for Milwaukee Repertory Theater, to talk with us about the planning and the protocols that they've dug into to make it possible to return to live performance. Thank you so much for being here, Jared. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, you know, just to sort of um, get us started, tell me a little bit about your your history with Milwaukee Repertory Theater. Sure. So uh, this is my sixth season with Milwaukee Repertory Theater. Uh, since my time there, we have uh, designed and built a brand new Christmas Carol. Um, you know, as we're approaching the holidays this year, um, we're uh, we're approaching a, a slightly scaled back version. Uh, in the times of COVID here. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a great ride. We've done a lot of really cool things, uh, developing new plays and uh, really trying to refine our processes here and, um, you know, deliver quality theater uh, in the heart of the Midwest. And can you tell us a little about um, sort of where things were at at the rep when COVID kind of took over all of our lives. And I know you guys were really quick on the draw, getting some filmed content out there. So can you just describe a little what those early weeks were like? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, heading into uh, the beginning of 2020, uh, we were firing on all cylinders. We were looking at, uh, you know, expanding some of our staffing and, and really digging into engagement with the community and uh, expanding our production capabilities. And, uh, you know, it was uh, pretty much out of the blue uh, when all of this happened and uh, really needed to figure out what those next steps were gonna be. So in probably less than a week, uh, we pivoted from just opening a production of Eclipse to hiring a video production company to come up from Chicago so that we could capture that on video. Uh, and be able to distribute it out to uh, our patrons because we were uh, just in our first week of public performances at that point. Um, And uh, we were in rehearsal for, I believe, two other shows uh, that we needed to close down pretty quickly um, and try and get those actors and cast and crew members back home safely. So it was uh, was a pretty fast pivot to, um, you know, getting most of our staff uh, into remote working and uh, closing down most of our physical operations uh, starting in the middle of March. Jared, a lot of people have been, um, a lot of companies are hopefully going to get to rehearse at some point in the near future in person, maybe tech in person, maybe have a small audience. For Forward Theater, that's a little bit further off. There are uh, safety plans that are being regulated by Actors' Equity Association. Um, And the Milwaukee Rep is going to be one of the first, the first in this state to bring people live into a rehearsal room and do a show. Um, But boy, there were an awful lot of things that had to happen 
before you were able to do that. And, and while I know you did this incredible webinar that gave us the full scope of, of what it took to get where you are right now, can you give us an overview? And I especially wanna know what prompted you all to say, you know what, we're gonna tackle this safety plan and we're gonna get people in a rehearsal room. <laughs> That's a, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, really, you know, this all started uh, probably back in April um, when we started trying to figure out what this impact was going to have. You know, we came up with probably five or six different scenarios as to, you know, how, how our season would play out this year. And um, while we were doing that budgeting process, you know, it, we quickly realized that safety was going to be our number one priority and trying to figure out how to deal with that component. Um, you know, luckily, uh, the folks that work at the rep have uh, connections with uh, theater professionals across the country. And, you know, if there is one thing that theater is good for, it's collaboration. And uh, we reached out to a lot of folks um, in, in different uh, states and cities just to find out how they were approaching it and and really started to take bits and pieces from other people's safety plans and and fold them into ours you know the the first step is making sure that when we bring people back into the building we can do that safely so the first step we did was develop screening uh, protocols for getting into the building. So that's uh, temperature taking, and then essentially a short list of questions to identify if you've been in an area with uh, uh, high rates of COVID, um, and if you've come into contact with somebody who's tested positive or somebody who's symptomatic, and, and basically keep those folks out of the workplace so we can try and, and secure the building as best as possible. Um, and then from there, it was really just diving in and figuring out how, how to do this very uh, personal uh, form of art safely and, and you know, putting, putting different layers of safety in there. Uh, obviously, the number one is masks uh, in our building, all masks all the time. Um, you know, any, anybody who is in the building has a mask on and then it's scaling up that PPE from there. So if we're encountering, uh, you know, one of the scenarios we ran is if we've got an unmasked actor in a show, how do we protect the crew backstage? And so that is not only having the crew member masked, but then layering in a face shield, um, potentially goggles, gloves, um, you know, making sure that we're, we're keeping everybody as safe as possible. Physical distancing is also another big component to that. So, you know, uh, the production meetings that we have weekly involve probably 25 to 30 people. And normally we're sitting shoulder to shoulder around a very large conference table. We don't do that anymore. It's, uh, you know, it's all on Zoom. Uh, when we do have meetings in person, it is, is definitely spaced out. Um, you know, really just figuring out each and every level uh, of safety and coming up with contingency plans of how we deal with that, um, you know, with uh, entrance protocols for rehearsals, disinfecting props before they enter a rehearsal hall, once they come out, um, you know, all of those different levels. We've invested a lot in cleaning and disinfecting. Uh, 
don't want to turn it into an infomercial for Clorox, but the <laughs> Clorox 360 system is kind of the base of our um, our cleaning protocols. It's a electrostatic uh, cleaning sprayer that essentially uh, wraps around all of the objects that it touches so that we can disinfect even in hard to reach places and make sure that all of those surfaces are safe to touch. So it's uh, definitely a layered approach and lots of collaboration both in Milwaukee with other arts organizations as well as nationally across the country. It's Eric, the, oh, go ahead, Jen. No, please, Mike. No, no, take it I, away. I was just going to say, you know, um, there's a lot of organizations that have tried to put together uh, protocols uh, in an effort to get the unions on board and go along with this. I mean, I have to say the REPS protocol, you know, which is uh, on the REP website for those who are are listening. You can actually drill down from the Q and A to and read the entire thing. It's it's impressive, um, and maybe it's just that you know Milwaukee did a better job. But what is your sense of why Equity, which has been unwilling to approve any kind of in person performance almost anywhere in the country, including places like uh, the American Shakespeare Company in Virginia, which had a very very low COVID rate, much lower than Wisconsin. Um, and had actors living in a bubble, it would not approve there. It has it has rejected most applications for in live performance. What was it that allowed us, meaning the rep, uh, to put to put equity in a position where it could feel safe signing off on this? Sure. So I just want to preface that with we have conditional approval from equity. Uh, you know, they they still reserve the right for the final sign off. Um, you know, and obviously where we stand now in Wisconsin. Uh, you know, it is uh, it is a very tricky situation because our numbers are not where we would like them to be. You know, we feel like we have, uh, you know, and, and thank you for that compliment, Mike. You know, I think our, our plan is comprehensive and, and well put together. So I think we've got a great plan. I think the the performance, the production that we're looking at is is a great choice because we're looking at. Uh, one actor on stage uh, supported by one musician who is physically separated from that actor by essentially a plexiglass shield. Um, but right now the climate is really challenging. Um, you know, you read the news today and it's, you know, talking about Wisconsin being the epicenter of this outbreak in the Midwest. And, uh, you know, that's, that is a, a challenge, but, you know, we've been very, proactive and collaborative with all of our union partners to find out what steps we need to take, what we need to put in place, um, you know, to make this a plan that people feel comfortable with and can sign off on. So it is, you know, it really just ties back to that, that collaboration and, um, you know, working with uh, the people that we have advising our plan. Dr. Mark Needfelt has been a huge, huge help to us um, developing our testing protocols and, and double checking everything. We recently reached out to uh, Dr. Cassidy, the director of epidemiology at um, uh, the Medical College of Wisconsin, so that she could review our plan and, you know, kind of pick things apart and go back into it. Uh, you know, we're, we're constantly assessing the plan and making changes where we need to, uh, to try and stay on the forefront and, and make sure that we're doing things as safely as we can, because we know that we're in the spotlight and that, that people's eyes are on us. And, and we want to make sure that we do everything the right way that we're thinking through these decisions and, and we're not rushing into getting back into producing. You know, we want to find the safest way possible to produce. And 
at the end of the day, we're, we're never going to be able to eliminate all of the risks that are associated with this. It is, uh, there's too many to count, but we can mitigate those risks to what we feel is an acceptable level uh, to try and get people in the entertainment industry back to work. It's, it's remarkable just listening to you describe all of um, the different types of, of uh, steps that, you're, that you have taken and that you're going to be taking, just because it seems like a crash course for anyone who's wondering what it's been like to be in our industry for these last <laughs> seven plus months, where suddenly we are becoming experts or pseudo experts in things that we really did not have to think about before. And um, to build new roadmaps uh, and it, you know, we've certainly here at Forward, and I know colleagues across the country have been delving into all of these different issues, but but also really leaning on the handful of companies like Milwaukee Rep that have kind of gotten out in front of this and really um, put the time and the resources into, into plans as thorough as yours so that, you know, we can all be very invested in your success. <laughs> Those of you who are listening to this can't see me crossing both of my fingers, um, but... Um, you know, because if it, you know, we want this to work and to be a, a roadmap for the rest of us to be able to return to in-person work in ways in which, as you say, the risk is mitigated down to what we would consider a normal level of risk in in any sort of um, employment work. Uh, but yeah, cleaning and air ventilation and you know, rapid testing these are not typical uh, responsibilities for a production manager. Yeah, I know more about, uh, you know, alcohol content of cleaners and the amount of time that you need to leave a disinfectant on a surface to actually disinfect it than, than I ever thought I would. Uh, which, uh, Jared, that, that prompts a question for me. It's 175, right? Is that the cap on 150, 175 in terms of the number of people? Is that? 100, 180 right now with the okay. new um, with the new restriction, the, the current 25% occupancy, yes. Um, and to, to that point about disinfectant, was there thought about, I know there's, uh, there's currently seven two-show days planned, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, was there thought about not having two-show days because of the challenges of disinfecting between shows? Or is that something that's, that's manageable given the research that, that you've done? Yeah, so we, we did definitely look into that and uh, we did need to adjust our uh, start times to make sure that we had enough space in between the end of the first show and the start of the second show uh, so that we can get the maximum number of air exchanges in our audience chamber, uh, basically flushing it with fresh air from the outside, uh, using as much fresh air as, uh, as the system can handle. You know, obviously being in Wisconsin, the temperature is getting a little bit colder, so we can't we can't do 100% outside air. But uh, you know, oh, the, why not? Put on a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> flushing flushing the air is is definitely one part of it, and then the second part is that disinfectant. And uh, with this Clorox 360 system, we're we're able to deploy two of those units into the powerhouse theater. And uh, I think we've got it now where within uh, roughly 90 minutes, we can cover the entire theater uh, in this disinfectant fog, basically. And uh, then it takes about 10 or 15 minutes to dry. And then we're ready to turn over the house uh, to a new set of patrons. So, yeah, definitely patron safety is, uh, you know, at the top of the list. 
not something that I deal with uh, directly, but have actually, um, you know, been coordinating with our director of marketing and communications to develop um, audience partitions so that when people are lining up to get into the theater, they're separated by a piece of plexiglass. We, we actually tasked our scene shop with uh, building all of these pieces so that, you know, we can have plexiglass separating, um, you know, the folks at the gift shop window between the patrons coming in so that we do have an area. If somebody does come to the theater, and they do have a, you know, their their uh, temperature is uh, not where we would like it to be, you know, above 100.4. We do have a waiting area where that we can put those people uh, away from the rest of the audience, give them a chance to cool down. Maybe they had to run from their car uh, to get into the line. And then we can go back and rescreen them, take their temperature again and see if it is below that uh, 100.4 level. Uh, to get it in. So yeah, it is, you know, the, the number of steps that we're taking both front of house and back of house is, uh, is a little mind boggling, but uh, you know, you take it one piece at a time and just layer those safety protocols one on top of each other to make sure that, uh, that we've got a plan that, uh, that we believe in. Who do you have taking those temperatures, the um, patron temperatures? And then Conversely, who's doing it on the production end, like for every rehearsal? Yeah, so uh, we actually are just uh, rolling out this week uh, a new standalone temperature unit. So essentially it's mounted uh, on a wall and you can stand in front of it and either take your temperature on your forehead or your wrist. Um, and it'll read out. But uh, for our patrons, we have uh, our front of house staff will be there. Uh, to make sure that folks are coming in. Normally, we rely on uh, quite a bit of volunteer help uh, to manage our audiences. Uh, because we're dealing with a much lower number now at that 180, um, we are we're cutting back on the number of volunteers that we have and almost exclusively going to paid front of house personnel. Uh, to deal with that, just because the the level of training that they need has increased so that they can, you know, spot potentially symptomatic people that they're trained in conflict resolution, uh, being able to diffuse situations. Um, you know, I think uh, we, we've all experienced um, situations where, you know, people may not want to wear a mask when they come in. Everybody's required to wear a mask when they come in to see our shows for the health and safety of everybody involved. You know, this is this is definitely a team effort. And, you know, we have to think beyond just ourselves and, and what is good for the community that we live in. Yeah, I would you know, like to think that that theater audiences know that are coming in and wearing masks. But certainly we've talked about that, Jen, internally, like who's in charge of making sure, you know, or of reprimanding or how, whatever it looks like the audience member who is watching the show, enjoying it and takes off their mask. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we talk about that a lot too, you know, just dealing with, um, with employees that we work with and, you know, we have to remind everybody that this is something new that everybody's experiencing and we can't make assumptions that people are doing it with bad intentions that, you know, we, we say, we want to, we want to try and correct people with grace, give people the benefit of the doubt, 
Um, but it is a very important part of our plan that everybody is masked while they're in our building. So we will be, uh, we will be requiring that. Jared, what kind of audience, um, I mean, of course you've got Lee Ernst, who's a Wisconsin legend and is going to be a draw regardless, but in terms of even with all these safety protocols in, in, in place, where's the audience been at in, ter in terms of sales, And number one? And secondly, is there going to be a streaming option made available to people who really want to see this show but maybe aren't comfortable coming in person? Sure. So um, the Jacob Marley's Christmas Carol is kind of standalone from the rest of our reset season, which uh, is happening uh, in the spring. For uh, Jacob Marley's Christmas Carol, currently the plan is to uh, only provide uh, live and in person and not a streaming option for that because uh, we, we are fortunate that uh, we've had a couple of really generous donors that are making uh, our 2016 production of A Christmas Carol available for free uh, for people to be able to stream. So that we're offering that as our streaming option. And then uh, Jacob Marley's Christmas Carol will be our, our live and in-person option. Uh, as far as ticket sales go, I, I don't have the specifics of how the demographics break down, but I, I do know that um, you know, when we put this show on sale, we ended up selling uh, more tickets than we had projected originally. Um, and, and we found that there is, um, there is a core group of people that are really interested in getting back into that live performance aspect of things. And whether or not that's because, you know, maybe they've already contracted COVID and, and they think that they're, you know, they have some level of immunity at this point, or you know they feel they feel safe with the the safety protocols that are out there and and being masked and you know we have physical distancing in our auditorium, um, but yeah the the response has been very very good you know we're we're very happy with that and um, you know we look forward to welcoming people back into our facility. Uh, so that and that raises a related question. Um, was there thought to? I mean, I know you know, like the Geffen, the uh, the Goodman, um, the Guthrie, all the G's are all going with um, uh, on you know streaming versions of Carol and only streaming versions of Carol. Mm -hmm. Was there thought given, uh, notwithstanding the amazingly eloquent statement that your executive director Chad Bauman wrote about the value of live theater, was there thought about not trying to put something like this out, but going the way of say the Old Vic or other companies? that are just putting out a streaming season rather than trying to do all the incredible things you've tried to do to make this happen. Yeah, I mean, that has been a, a conversation central to our operations from the beginning. Um, you know, it was really a, a conversation about, you know, we're, we're gonna have to put in a lot of effort to come up, to develop this safety plan, to come up with a way to bring live theater back. And um, it, is it worth it? And, and frankly, you know, we made the decision that it was, that it was really important for us to try and provide employment opportunities for our staff. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of organizations out there that have, you know, looked around at the landscape and said, you know what, we're just going to, we're just going to step back. And, you know, maybe they have resources that, um, you know, allow them to kind of sit out a, a season. Um, but we felt it was really important to push forward and, um, you know, try and set the bar 
for what the future of theater is going to look like. And, and really, you know, I, I don't think we ever thought about, well, we want to be the first ones out of the gate, but it was, how do we, how do we operate and live in this new reality? You know, how do we keep our people employed for as long as possible and as safely as possible? So that, uh, that has been a question that we have, we have talked about internally probably since uh, late March, you know, after the initial shock of what, what is this? What are we doing? How long is this going to last came about, um, you know, and that was part of the, the budgeting process going into this season you know, looking at many different scenarios. And, and we did consider an option that would have had us essentially shutting down and not producing anything until the fall of 21. And, um, you know, it, it was pretty grim, uh, you know, to be honest. And, and we really pushed forward to try and, and keep people employed and, and keep the arts alive in our community. No, the whole process uh, of of trying to plan, of making a plan and then having to do a new plan and then another new plan, um, the scenarios, dear Lord, the scenarios and the flow charts for all of us um, over these past seven plus months um, uh, have been uh, staggering. Uh, and I'm curious, as you reflect back on um, on what this period has been like for you or for the rep in general, you know, is there something that springs to mind as um, a particularly big, you know, victory or a particularly big hurdle, you know, what, what have felt like the big peaks or the big valleys um, in this process? Because as, as we can all attest, it is such a day by day slog. And then you win one one day and then you lose one another day. And we just, you know, we keep on keeping on. But I'm curious what has struck you as being the, the, the highest peaks and the lowest lows. What uh, what a great question and so hard to answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. you know, <laughs> there, there are some days where it feels like it, it's the same day over and over and over again. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that many people can can relate to that. Um, and, and it feels like every time we get to one of those, uh, you know, endpoints, uh, you look and it's like, oh, there's another hill and, you know, yet another hill that you have to climb. And so I think, you know, there were definitely many points along the way as we developed our, our budget and plan moving into this season. Uh, I guess one of the high points would definitely be kind of, and it's never really finished, but kind of the, the first iteration that we created of our safety plan. Um, you know, once once we had submitted to all of the different unions and, and uh, you know, equity was the last union that uh, that we brought it to. Um, the culmination of that felt really great that, sure. you know, look, this is something that we've we've accomplished. Um, and at the same time, it's just one more milestone along the way. And, and the fact that, that that document is living and breathing and, and we're constantly, even today, going back and looking at it and saying, okay, with the new information that we know, how do we need to change this? You know, at one point we, we assumed that we could do rehearsals as we had done before in our rehearsal hall facilities on the fourth floor of our building. When we dug into it, we found out that the way that the HVAC system was designed back in the late 80s doesn't allow for uh, an adequate number of air exchanges in there. And so we had to kind of like 
okay, if we can't use our rehearsal facilities, where do we go? Well, we've got three venues and uh, it just so happens that we're really focusing on the, the Quadrachi powerhouse for most of our performances. And so we actually turned our Steam Key Studio Theater into a rehearsal hall. And, um, you know, just making those changes and, and, you know, finding whatever challenges lay before you and figuring out what the solution is. Um, you know, it, it almost feels like an endless treadmill, but, uh, you know, you definitely have to celebrate the victories where you can um, and, you know, deal with the defeats, learn a lesson and, uh, and move on and try not to dwell on it. Are there particular things that you're hoping to learn from this Christmas Carol production? Because I know you've got, you know, the rest of the season reset happening in the late winter and then into the spring. And are there, are there particular things that you're all kind of really looking at to see how they go so that that can influence uh, how the rest of the season plays out? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's a lot of this stuff that we have, you know, gamed out. We've had lots of conversations, you know, we've written out different scenarios on paper and kind of, you know, talked through how is this going to work, but this is our first real opportunity to put it into practice. You know, every time we, we bring folks back into the building. So at the end of, of May into June was the first time that we were able to bring folks back into the building for a short two week window to kind of button up the season. And that's really where we put our entrance protocols to the test. Does this work? Can we, can we deal with a line of people coming in through our door? You know, right now, um, we've got one way into our building and one way out so that we can control that flow of traffic. And, you know, before we, we actually tested it out with people, we weren't quite certain it was, uh, you know, going to play out the way that we wanted it to. So, yeah, there's uh, just about every um, factor in our plan running it through a real world test to make sure that it's doing what we want it to do. And, um, you know, obviously having the latitude to make adjustments on the fly and really, um, really look to make changes in real time so that we are keeping up with the data and keeping everybody as safe as possible. Oh, I muted myself for a second. Look at that. Um, that that's a really, really uh, well articulated set of goals there, Jared. And um, I, I mean it when I say uh, I think the, the folks uh, rooting for this to all go smoothly uh, stretches far beyond the boundaries of Wisconsin. Um, Absolutely. We are all eager to get back into production and to find ways that we can do it to protect, protect the, the health and also the livelihoods of, of everybody in our industry and in our audiences. So um, I'm so grateful to you. We'll take all the, the positive energy we can get. <laughs> it was one of Thank the, you. Thank you for leading what, yeah. the way. Sorry, it was Mike. one of the best days I've had since March, the day that the announcement came out from the reps saying this is going forward. <laughs> Do you want to give for our listeners, Jared, can you just give us the dates uh, of the production? Oh, sure. Putting me on the spot now. Um, uh, yeah, I just need to look at a calendar. I know it's um, December, but I can't remember when in December. It yeah, is. it is. Uh, it is the very beginning of December. Okay. Uh, so we start, uh, our public performances are slated to start uh, Tuesday, December 1st. And then it'll run uh, through um, December uh, 24th, I believe. Okay. 
Fantastic. Yeah, and I'll definitely plug for our, our listeners. I've seen both the four-person version of this Jacob Marley, um, which Acacia Theater did, and also the one-person version at Third Avenue Playhouse uh, a few years ago. It's a fun show um, and very different from, I think, for people, especially if, now that I know we're going to have this streaming option. Uh, you know, watch both, folks. I mean, the juxtaposition of that <laughs> of the new, uh, you know, Christmas Carol that Mark Clemens put together and then seeing this is going to be wild and, and wonderful. Yeah, it is a it is a really fun piece, and uh, you know we reached out directly to Tom Mula, the um, the playwright, and uh, you know he's really excited that that this piece is getting produced again. And uh, yeah, it's a it's definitely a different take on uh, the story of a Christmas Carol. Yeah. Well, God bless us, everyone. Nice <laughs> <laughs> done, Jen. Yes. Why don't we say yes. that that is it for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Our thanks to Jared for this great discussion and to all of you for joining us. I'm Jen Uphoff Gray. I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden. You can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook or Twitter at Theater Forward. As always, and this is true of the Milwaukee rep as well, theater is with an E-R, people. <laughs> <laughs> And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. And be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. We're so grateful to have you listening. And we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation. 